Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you, Peter? I'm very well. How are you doing, Aidan? I'm pretty good. Not gone crazy yet from lockdown. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I think so. Um, Although we're doing another podcast, so maybe we're both crazy. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps we should clarify uh, that the podcast that we're about to discuss, I think we've probably attempted to record maybe two or three times now. And yeah. it's always turned into a... We, we've always opened Pandora's box of, of terminology and definitions, and we've never really been sure what we're talking about, which we normally try to we normally try to hide that fact. But <laughs> I feel that it, it's, it's definitely bubbled to the top for this. So I think probably the problem is that we start talking about a subject and then we start taking branches off and going deeper into a specific part. Mm. And then maybe half an hour, 45 minutes later, we look back and we go, what's the point of what we're trying to talk about what are we talking about so we have both been exposed to a project with a very very heavy governance element and so as part of our ongoing series on all sorts of weird and wonderful integration architectural rubbish we're going to talk about reference architectures and patterns this was originally uh, a discussion of why are there certain patterns that keep turning up when it comes to integration governance and planning for an integration environment? And so what we've kind of done is we've tried to sort of break down how these patterns and standards sometimes come about from first principles. But basically, we've, we've, we've pieced apart this from what we think to be first principles in terms of uh, how you would impose standards on an integration environment. And with regards to that, there are a few... We, we've picked out five particular words which we see get bandied about a lot. Exactly. So what we're starting with is our own personal definitions, and we'll elaborate what they are, and then discuss how they apply into integration projects. Aidan, would you like to introduce our five words which we have spent at least three different evenings arguing over? So the five words are a pattern, a blueprint, a template, standards and reference architectures excellent let's run through them let's run through our definitions aiden how would we after a serious amount of arguing how would we define a pattern we said a pattern is a refined repeatable concept which is a solution to a common problem how would we define a blueprint we said that a blueprint is a detailed design for how to implement a pattern for a certain technology How would we define a template? We said it was an implementation of a blueprint with further details on specifications for items of that type. It might be followed exactly, or it might be altered to fit the need of the circumstance. Do you want to tackle what a standard is, Peter? We said standards were an approach, design or method that is applied across all interconnected systems and applications to ensure consistency of approach which benefits support testing and development. This might be applied at an application level, on servers, across a platform, or across an entire organisation. And a reference architecture? A set of documents or necessary information that describes a topology or a system that can be used for common related patterns. The information in a reference architecture, if followed, will provide commonality across deployed templates and blueprints. Very good. 
book in the trend, we've uh, decided to document into words this, this snippet of understanding of our definitions of these five key parts of reference architectures and patterns. We'll be blogging that uh, in accompaniment to this podcast. So we'll leave the link in the description and you can go read it there. Mm-hmm. So do we want to go through some examples of, of what a, a pattern, a blueprint, template standards and a reference architecture is? Um, and I know we were talking about the house example. Mm-hmm. Gives us a high level view that's not explicitly stitched into some nitty gritty integration. And it gives you a an example which everyone can understand. Let's start from the top again with pattern. So we said pattern is a, repeat, a refined repeatable concept, which is a solution to a common problem. So let's go back to our example of housing. The problem that we're trying to solve with housing is that we need a way of giving people a roof over their heads, uh, running water, sanitation, the ability to cook, the things that human need, humans need. And so a pattern that solves that might be a dwelling. Remember, this uh, we're still keeping it quite high level because we don't know how this dwelling is going to be built. It could be a house, but this pattern could also apply to a houseboat, a space station. The, they're all dwellings, but for the time being, if I think about it in my kind of governancey way, I've got no idea what this pattern is going to be applied to. But I know that if I'm going to um, if I'm going to house some humans, we probably need a roof, running water, sanitation, and heat, for example. Building off that let's go to a blueprint. So we said that a blueprint was a detailed design of how to implement a pattern for a certain technology. Now if we go back to our pattern which we've just defined as as a dwelling, a blueprint of a dwelling pattern might be some sort of house. Uh, We talked about terraced houses which um, the use of a terraced house is it provides quite a good amount of space quite a good amount of living space without taking much land space up. Ah, uh, So in the same vein, it could be a, a bungalow, um, which obviously would give uh, accessibility as the key component to the dwelling. So, for example, um, typically you'd see a bungalow for elderly people who can't get upstairs. So this is a detailed design of how to make an accessible dwelling is a bungalow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I think moving from that, we have a template. So that's how the blueprint is implemented with a bit more detail on specifications for others of that type. One example we thought of when we were discussing it was that you could have um, a terrace house in Doncaster or, or Winchester that was built with a certain specification, but there might be a little bit more land and the designer says, well, I'm going to give, I'm going to make that more garden space. And so that template can be tweaked ever so slightly during the design phase to give more grounds, more garden space, which sits on top of that terraced house in, in wherever it may be. Exactly. A template is an instance of a blueprint. In Again, in an IT environment, we'd expect a template to be something that can be rapidly stamped out. You could be rapidly cloned. It's not necessarily the case in this general example that we're making. Well, I, th- I, I think it probably is. I think if you had six building sites all with terraces, they all might slightly be different. So one might be built on a hill, one might have a little bit more um, land space. But you could knock these, you could knock 10 terraces out in each of the locations 
but the specifics might change ever so slightly based on the environment that they're in. Yes, you're right. After after saying that, I I wish to retract that you couldn't template that you couldn't stamp them out in a in an easy way. I think I need to understand that stamping them out and provisioning is relative, especially if you're talking about house building. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we talked about standards, didn't we? We said. Mm. How does a standard apply to our ever-expanding analogy of, of the housing situation? Mm. And on the, the idea that a standard is an approach or design or method that is applied across all interconnected systems and applications to give consistency. Well, if you're putting 10 terraced houses on a, on a plot of land, our example I remember was talking about it, we said uh, it could be things like light fittings or plug sockets. So the plug sockets would be the same in all the houses and that would meet the majority of household appliances. Yeah, or it could be that certain bits are interchangeable and require less customization. So this housing developer who's building 10 terraced houses, he maybe only needs to put in one order to the, 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 the door and window company. He doesn't have to put in multiple orders. And that reduces cost. And I think you could probably apply that to an IT space where you have a standard code snippet that you deploy into multiple applications. And that's sort of the IT crossover of putting your multiple door handles or um, whatever into each house. So finally, what is it we said about reference architecture? So we were describing them as a set of documents or, inf or information that describes a topology or system. And so in this example, we've said a plot of land is bought for building development. So in this way, we've kind of discounted the possibility of building a houseboat or a space station, which are both valid dwellings. But what we've done is we've picked a reference architecture, which we know will be able to support all of the common related patterns that we're probably going to need. So a plot of land will be able to support some terraced houses, maybe some other different types of houses. I know that a plot of land could be expanded to include some shops or something along those lines. So with this plot of land, the reference architect architecture can apply can be applied to any of the dwelling types, but the the core parts of that plot of land that leads up to the dwelling so the roads the sewage the electricity systems the street lights mm. they're all in the reference architecture and those will be used to make sure they kind of guarantee the success of a common suite of patterns an example that uh, an it example that uh, we discussed previously was a reference architecture for the insurance industry i know that if i implement a reference architecture for insurance, it's probably going to be uh, completely compatible with any kind of standardized patterns that the insur that insurance industry workloads will need. In the same way that if I buy a plot of land, I pretty much assume that it's going to be compatible with most um, patterns related to building houses. So uh, I suppose this begs the question, Peter, Mm -hmm. why why bother why why do we need to know these terms what does it matter if if um we have a pattern that describes a dwelling what does it matter if there's a standard that tells us what plug socket we we have in all the houses what does it what does it matter we've identified a couple of the these what we believe to be the key benefits of implementing these patterns standards and blueprints whatever your organization calls them First benefit is standardization, which means should mean less complexity because you're getting because you're not having to in, uh, implement something new every time. 
and that means there's the same approach to problems, and so it avoids overcomplicating. I think it's as well that you've already you've already solved the problem in 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 one setting, so you don't need to just keep repeating that problem solving method in every every setting. So, um, if I've had to get around uh, threads hanging, I should be able to uh, repeat that solution in all the thread-based systems that we have. It's a cost element, isn't it? You're not wasting, you're reducing the amount of time that you have to spend uh, working on it. It's something that everybody's going to know and they're mm-hmm. going to be familiar with. They're going to know what that pattern is, no matter if it's in Java app number two or some sort of ESB that's, that's running load that uses multiple threads. It doesn't matter what it is. That solution is there. It's solving that problem and it's the same across, say, the whole organisation. So I would say that the big benefit of pattern usage is... Uh... I would say it's when developers or technical resources in your organization can start to expect how things will have been implemented because uh, they know that there is consistency throughout the organization and that things will have been likely to have been done a certain way. You can call this sort of regularity or familiarity. Um, It means that you, you know how things are. People move between projects, they move between roles. Uh, very rarely will people will people stay on the same project or will um, the same people be responsible for something all the way through its life cycle. Well, we've talked before on our podcast, haven't we, about uh, agile working and how mm. um, we've been in teams that have actively been diversified and, and different members of the team moved around so that no one person becomes like a knowledge block or um, like on the Phoenix project where you had Brett uh, who had all that information. Was it Brett? What was he called? Um, Brent. Uh, that person who has all that knowledge, like the super knowledge person. Agile Agile moves those people around. But what, what's good with patterns and standards is that when the new, new people arrive, even though they're looking at something that isn't what they were working on before, they've got all these familiar, like you were saying, familiarity, mm. but all these things baked into whatever they're working on, whether they're a tester, whether they're supporting the system, whether they're um, developing, they can look at it, understand what's happening, and the chances are they've they've already seen the patterns before or they've seen an implementation of the template, which has only slightly diverged. So, so yeah, I, I completely get that. I want you to say your quote. You had a really good quote about this where you described uh, the patterns, blueprints, and templates. They're like a business asset or they're like... They're like, uh, they're like uh, business value or, or gold or something. What was it? Did I? Well, I, I don't know what it is anymore. Oh, Sorry. great. <laughs> great. Um, but I, I think what that does is that means that it's quicker to fix, it's quicker to start developing on or developing enhancements to um, something that's been designed and built before you arrive. And it's quicker to test, even if you're moving the test resources around. So it's all about speed. That's what familiarity gives you. Mm. Uh, it also gives confidence that, that whoever's using it knows what they're doing. Yeah. And also on the speed is that once you've built these patterns, which are applicable to multiple situations because they're solving the common problems, they get super reusable. So we've recently built a pattern doing infrastructure as code. Yeah. And that's been deployed in one environment and now it could be very quickly scaled across other environments you're 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 front loading all of your work into that reusability and the patterns and the templates that you're building 
at which point the it's only slight changes you need to make to deploy across your environments. So it's the reusability and the ease to deploy and ease to support and all that fun things that pushes it through the environments. And that's what patterns give as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and when you get multiple people using it, uh, that means that these things can uh, they can grow and they can be improved. Um, that, that kind of uh, improvement over time, uh, that is a benefit that everyone can reuse. The next time that maybe someone refreshes an app or something that's implementing a pattern, they can think, ah, oh, well, our, we, we've learned as an organization that uh, there's improvements to be made here. And that's incredibly valuable. That's like, these patterns and, and templates and blueprints, that they're, they're assets and they're business gold. If you put effort into making these things that can be reused by other people, that's a seriously valuable thing that can be done. On either side of the spectrum, almost so far apart that they come back together, anytime there's something new uh, that is adopted as part of a pattern, it brings a whole... As you were saying, it brings a whole organization with you. So the initiation of, say, using microservices, mm-hmm. um, I imagine when that was first pitched, then it was, I imagine it was quite difficult to get into the organization. Yeah. But once that pattern was adopted, it was quickly scaled out across organizations and, and where people aren't using it, they wanted to use it. And um, where they are using it, they were consistently making it better as they learn. So yeah. There's the future proofing for the whole organization. But on the other side of that same coin, you have the complexity issue, as in that would have been initially more complex to to start using microservices instead of an, an existing known pattern. Mm. But then the more that pattern is used, the less complex the system gets. That standardization reduces the complexity because it's being used throughout everywhere. I know that... Um... I don't, I, would, I don't say that patterns can sometimes be a be a dirty word, but I know uh, I can think of times where this kind of this journey, this effort has already been made, and I've just thought to myself, oh, not not some kind of standardized pattern, because if you want to do something that you believe is very simple, you you just want to knock together a really just a little a tiny very simple service and you're forced to go through this sledgehammer to crack a nut this is how we do things around here you think oh well in in that in that sense i feel as though i'm being a bit stifled as though i can't really make something light and graceful i've got to make this big bloated java instance and i feel as though that could maybe be described as as a negative however like you said, it's a it's a it's a double edged sword. By doing that, it means that there is standardization across the organization. It means that people know that ah oh, that that tiny little service that Peter had to implement. I'm pretty sure that even without opening it and looking at the code, I know that we implemented it using the piddly little service in Java pattern. So I'm pretty sure I know exactly how it's going to look anyway. Which again is valuable. It might be a little bit more effort at the very start, but it means it's much easier for the organization in the long run. So I I think we could probably summarize the benefits down to four benefits, which Mm -hmm. are uh, the standardization across the organization, the reusability, familiarity, and then the uh, future proofing for the whole organization. We could probably standardize what we consider the drawbacks or the limitations to be as well. Sometimes patterns can be... Uh, excessively complex sometimes they could be a blocker to change and sometimes you could maybe see them as a stifling of innovation but again these are things that can be worked around the patterns themselves can reduce complexity 
and cause complexity. If you're doing something that's never been done before, this ties in with innovation, I suppose. If you're building something that's never been done before and it's not really known, if you only go via the standards and the patterns that have been produced already in an organisation, you may end up with an overly complex um, solution to the problem because the patterns that have been produced so far haven't had that consideration or, or that use case in mind. It could be the fact that for this situation that we're faced with, we need to implement a new pattern. What we're trying to say is that sometimes it's the right thing to create a new pattern because you have a new problem, mm -hmm. but you can obviously you can obviously align that with existing patterns where, wherever you can. But then if a pattern starts to block innovation and, and the ability for a business to start adopting new and better technology, I think the three limitations that we've described really are, and I think they're all intermingled, is uh, it can make complex solutions more complex to implement yeah it can block the ability to make changes either to the pattern or because the changes which might be a benefit are being blocked by the pattern and then finally is obviously uh, the limitation is where you're trying to implement innovation and it's hard to see the tangible benefits before you've proven it mm. and the pattern might get in the way of that so it's all sort of in intermixed complexity blocker to change and, and innovation yeah to summarize what do we think we've learned today Patterns are good. Um, we've broken them down into patterns, blueprints, templates at different levels because you never know how they're going to be implemented on different systems and you normally can't say for certain what the end architecture is going to look like. We've also discussed reference architectures which we expect, which we expect a reference architecture to be able to support uh, a group of common patterns and we've discussed how really patterns are really good and how they're really potentially not good. But do them. But definitely do them. Yes. I think it's important as well that we're probably going to refer to patterns and blueprints and standards as we go through the next few podcasts. And this is probably going to be our point of reference as well when we're discussing anything pattern related or blueprint related to make sure that we're staying on the definitions we've defined. Yes. I'm sure that there are many different organisations that follow these concepts and principles, but maybe what they call a blueprint, we call a pattern. What we call a pattern, they call a template. Even as in the same organisation, got ourselves slightly into a muddle or started talking about slightly different things. And I think it's because the nuance is quite specific and the way mm. that they all sit on top of each other is, is quite specific. And sometimes it can get blurry as to what level of pattern applies and what level at what point it becomes a blueprint or an, or an exemplar or a, a template or whatever I, th I think defining and making sure that everybody's on a common ground is a good activity anyway okay let's wrap up i'd like to thank you for listening uh, if you have any thoughts get in touch tell us what you think tune into our next podcast where we'll be diving deeper into uh, integration patterns and uh, some of the integration methodologies Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>